Welcome everyone to Legion of Myth live stream today, 10 June 2017. With us today, of course, me, your host, Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. And we have a special guest host today, Sean Cthulhu Law McKinney. Say hello. Hello, everybody. That was a great hello. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Today is going to be a great day for us. We we got to, we got some really good stuff to come at you. We have uh, my Heathen Dogma. It's not Shadowrun. I don't know why. I don't know why Garthon sent me that one. Bad man. But uh, we have Garthon's Compel. He is gone today. His old uh, military CEO called him out of retirement because he's the best man for the job, and they're going to save the world against some kind of poison gas. So look out for that in the news come tomorrow. And then after that, we have a teachable moment. With uh, with Cthulhu, Sea Law, is what we're calling him, and he's he's gonna tell us all about uh, how the how the masses get their comics online, and then after that we're gonna get into our old RNG. How's that sound to you? That sounds great. I I think it's how the kids do it. You think it's how the kids do it? Outstanding. Well, I love doing it how the kids do it. That's good stuff. All right, so on to our little disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. How'd I do? Did, did, did that sound comforting? I'm comforted. Well, I would let my daughter listen. Outstanding. Wow. That's great. Speaking and of that, I know us, so that's saying that's a lot. That's true, yeah. Uh, speaking of your daughter, you should get her to watch. Uh, get, get us on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Legion of Myth underscore page. Subscribe to that channel. Like our videos. Watch them. They're good stuff. Hundreds of hours of gameplay content. And you can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. And we have our subreddit at uh, reddit.com slash r slash Legion of Myth. That's for our updates and when all, all our new videos drops, you're going to find it there as well. You can uh, check us out on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com slash Legion of Myth, Messenger, m.me slash Legion of Myth, and, of course, the Twitters, at Legion of Myth. If you have a, uh, a comment or a suggestion or you want this game reviewed or played or whatever, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, throw us a line. We'll, we'll, we'll answer back, I promise. Now, for our first segment, here we have... Legion of Myth, Le Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, anime on the stream. This is anime that can only be found uh, can only be found on either Hulu and or Netflix. All right, I'm not doing Crunchyroll, I'm not doing all that because that's even more money. If you have Hulu and Netflix, you pretty much got your TV down. So I want you to have your anime down too. So I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna help you find some stuff. And the first one we've got today is Blame. This came out in uh, this came out in 2017. Obviously, it says so on the on the slide there. Now I got a lot to say about this about this move about this movie, um, but uh, I think uh, I think Sea Law's got some stuff to say about it too. He he saw it as well. But uh, first we're gonna go go to the particulars of this. It was uh, directed by Hiroyuki Sashita, written by Sutomu Night. Okay, I'm I'm butchering this. I'm sorry. Anyone anyone who this is their language. Sutomu. Sutomu Nihei, maybe. Yeah, Nihei. Nihei, yeah. okay. Uh, music by Yugo Kano and Studio Polygon Pictures. Licensed by Clockworks in Japan and Netflix in the U.S. because it was sponsored by Netflix. The release date was May 19, 2017. And, of course, you can only watch it on Netflix because they helped pay for it. 
Now, let's, uh, let's, let's get on to the premise of this thing, all right? Now, it all takes place in what's called the city, and to call it a dystopian future is an understatement. Uh, for some reason, maybe far in the future or far in the past, I don't know, the time frames in this thing are never made clear to me, but uh, uh, the, the, the human, uh, humans created the machines, and the machines are building the city for them. Now, the, uh, the, the machines are no, are no longer controlled by humans. They've gone out of control. And uh, they're on a rapid expansion. And so the, the, the city is a never-stop-expanding never just megalopolis that there is no beginning or end to that anyone can see anymore. All right? And humanity has been splintered. It's been, it's been uh, just pounded into the dirt. And uh, the people we find in, our, in the beginning of the, of the movie are the uh, Electro Fishers. Now, with, the, with these people are a small band. I, I uh, go through a lot. I, I think I counted in the beginning no more than, say, 40 or 50 total. It, that's definitely the right scale. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they found a little section of, of the city that for some reason the, uh, the, the enforcers, or what are they called, the... Uh, Syndicate? No. Now the, the 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 enforcer robots that track down and destroy humanity for some reason can't go. And that's where they live. And they've been living there for about three hundred years now. But the problem is, food is becoming more and more scarce. I mean, uh, the, the the city has has used all of the materials around to create walls and floors and ceilings. And so you're gotta find dirt and seed and and uh, water is not, not a problem. They just tap into the water system because, you know, water is for coolant and the city needs that. So they so the, 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 the machines constantly re replenish water. It's food that's the big problem. And they are running out of food. They're having to go outside of the safe zone to find stuff like lichen and dirt and stuff like that, you know, to try and bring it back to keep their people, uh, keep their people going. And in the beginning of the movie, it's, it seems bleak. They are days from running out of food. Now, safeguard. Safeguard, yes. And I, I just popped them up. It just came to my head as you said it. Now, the, the, the machines that hunt people are called safeguards. And they look like nightmare fuel. I mean, they're, they're, they're like kabuki masks. And uh, um, kabuki masks, little hunter-killer drones. And uh, they, they move like, like the exorcist girl. You know, or they can go, like, twist their heads around and spider walk, and they move extremely fast, and it's all crazy, and it's nuts. And we, we, we come up with a, a bunch of electro fishers outside try, trying to find some food, and they, they are spotted by these guys. And we are introduced to our first real character that you, I guess, that I cared about. And it's, a very, it's in a very, very dramatic way. I'm going to run the clip right now. This is Killy, and he is named aptly. He is he is a, a one-man killing machine. Actually, I wouldn't say all man. Uh, throughout the throughout the movie, you figure out that he is he is human, but heavily enhanced, uh, cybernetic now, more more so than more so than human, fully. You know, he's probably more than fifty percent cybernetic, I would imagine, because he has superhuman strength, superhuman endurance. He heals remarkably quickly. 
and that that gun, I believe the, the gravitational beam emitter, that 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 what you just saw was like setting one on this thing. It is the it is one of the only things that can puncture the mega structure in between the levels of the city, which has thousands of levels. All right, so he's introduced. He saves them from from the from the uh, from these enforcers. What are they called again? Um, shoot. Safeguard. Safeguard. Yes, from 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 the safeguard, and uh, they they take him back to the uh, to the to their to their tribe, their little safe zone. Because uh, you know when when they see a traveler, you're supposed to give a traveler food and lodging. Well, they don't have a whole lot of food and lodging, so you know, what do you what are you gonna do? So they they take him back and they say, well, we don't have any food to give you. He pulls out this gold brick, gives it to gives it to a couple kids. Well, the kids try to eat it, and it doesn't work. And then they look at it, and it has pictographs that says put it in water. So they go over and they try to do that. So let's see let's see how that works for them. Worked out pretty well. Worked out pretty well. Yes, that little that little gold brick uh, turned into. Uh, for, for for forty or fifty people, at least several days worth of food. I think I think they even talked about having food for longer than that, didn't yeah, they? Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they probably alluded to it. I wasn't I wasn't listening to the the exact how much food it was, but it was a crap ton of food, and they were loving it. And uh, and the the it, it starts from there. He's looking for a specific human. He scans all of them with his cybernetic eyes, and all of them fail the test. That he's looking for a human being with the net terminal gene. Now, this allows that person to access the authority, the the uh, network of the city, to to give it override commands, to stop it from hunting people, stop it from its stupid expansion, stop it from all this stuff that it's now it's now doing. He's been searching for who knows how long. They never really say. But he has yet yet to find a human being with that ability. Yeah, he said he came from 6,000 floors below. Yes, and these floors are impossibly huge. So he's been walking for a very, very long time. Now, this, this next clip, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk uh, uh, a, a copyright issue on this one. I'm going to risk it because it is one of the two times that they actually give a time frame in the whole movie of, of of even a glimmer of how long this has been going on so i'm gonna i'm gonna show that to you right now stand by i have to i'm gonna give the audio in this one too so it's gonna be a little tricky here we go i've waited for so long it talked I've been calling for help all this time. But no one came. It was so long until you came. I waited for 17,526,000 hours. Okay, that was 17,526,000 hours that that cyborg has been waiting in that, uh, in that, well, that uh, dung pile, I guess you want to call it. And uh, I did the math for you on that one. That is 2,000.6 years. 
That's so a bit ridiculous. It is a bit ridiculous. For just, just over 2,000 years, she's been sitting in that garbage heap uh, waiting for someone to come come get her. Now, he found her because he uh, he sensed her power signature or something like that. She is, is an android, but in her is a... Uh, a prototype synthetic net terminal gene. Now, when when uh, when I finally understood what this net net, net terminal gene was, I likened it to uh, Stargate Atlantis, the whole uh, ancient activation gene. You have to have it to use ancient tech. They they put it in as a safeguard. Well, long, thousands and thousands of years ago, humans put that same safeguard into the into their their computer systems. Only problem is people with that gene for some reason that they don't explain in the anime were dying out and so the computer went out of control so can i ask no go ahead the the um android head girl right was she one of the many things i was not what's her name shiba shiba one of the many things i was confused about was whether or not she was originally an artificial intelligence or was she originally a human who then had her consciousness transferred into the, the android form. I understand why you're confused, because in the movie, they did not make that differentiation at all. At right, all. and she talked about being one of them and one of us when she was talking about humans. So I didn't know if she was just like an ally of the humans, or she maybe. actually used to be human, or what? Maybe uh, maybe she's got a human brain and a human brainstem, but the rest of her has been replaced. Maybe maybe Killy is the same way inside, because in in the anime he had his uh, in the movie he had his arm cut off, and there wasn't a whole lot of blood, and he just kind of stuck it back on and taped it, and it healed. Yeah, and they give us many point of view shots from him, and he's clearly yes. not just human. Yes, yes. So you you can see through his eyes, and you see all the digital readouts and stuff. He's got HUD, and. Uh, you know, and if if the if the super strength and super durability didn't give it away, then that yeah, there you go. That's that's also doing it. So yeah, I mean, uh, and and from from there, uh, he uh, Killy helps her try to access the the network to get to the authority to stop the uh, the the city from running wild. Now I don't want to ruin the entire plot. I mean, there are other characters, the the, the Electro Fishers, and uh, and some other things that happen. Uh, but uh, that that is that is the main deal, all right. But uh, besides that, I mean the 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 supporting cast to me was not very well rounded. I mean, what, what what did you think? There were two people I remembered that were just human. There's right. The, um, like the leader of the group Pops. of humans, I forget Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Him. He was far and away the most or the closest thing there was to an interesting character yes and then there was like the sort of stereotypical young girl in yeah. over her head yeah yeah uh, chance or zuru or something like that yeah but uh, yeah the, the, she is completely forgettable even though she's not supposed to be uh the problem with a big problem with this movie is that it's not it shouldn't be a movie this is five episodes of a series that ran at least five seasons, and this is like five episodes at the tail end of season one. So it gi- it gives nowhere near enough backstory for you to understand anything that's going on. Right. It introduces, it gives you a setting, and then it spends the time talking, having all the characters talk about how mysterious everything is. Yes, and you don't have <laughs> to figure anything out. It explains anything. Nothing. 
and that's why I had to give it two and a half stars. Now, the reason I gave it two and a half, which is an average film, because uh, while while set in a drab and and uh, and utilitarian and uh, God, I don't know, a rundown landscape, uh, the animation was, was was really impressive. They they had really good facial uh, uh, facial animations for the humans. Uh, Killy d- doesn't really smile a whole lot, so you know, I, I understand that. But <laughs> no, not no, at all. <laughs> not, he, he's not a happy dude. He's been he's been doing this for a while and and come up come up goose egg. So, yeah, uh, he's he's not happy generally. But uh, everyone else, when when they especially the children, when they see all that food, the the expressions on their faces were very well animated, and uh, and I was really happy about that. And the action scenes are fant- Excuse me, the action scenes are fantastic. I would say that. Um... One thing about it, though, is that it's definitely that, I don't know if it's, I guess it's like new, that style of anime, where I don't know, it looks like it's cel-shaded 2D, but done by computer. Yes. Yes, and, and that is that is the growing trend now. I mean, a, a lot of the anime movies coming out, especially those backed by Netflix, um, have this, have the same almost hyper-realistic type, uh, type of animation style. Yeah, and one of the things that I find interesting about it, and it was definitely true in this movie, was that that style seems great for action. Yes, like, it does. The way the bodies move, especially the electro fishers, they wear this power, well, this armor, and it, it's kind of it's like kind of pseudo light mech armor, right? Um, but it looks great, like when their faces are covered and they're moving around, and there's these combat scenes. It's amazing how cool they look yeah yeah and um, uh and but the the, the whole stark difference be- between the achilles technology and the electro fisher's technology uh is is their weapon like uh Kill right. has, has has the has the gravity beam emitter gun that is basically a, a death star ray and they have souped up uh harpoon guns basically i mean they they, right. they, they, yeah, yeah. they, they shoot out shoot out uh, uh small like long thin bars a rebar yeah, they were literally harpoon guns. Yes. I think. Yes, like they they were they were uh, uh, shotgun powered harpoon guns. So yeah, that that that's the stark difference of technology we're talking about here. So yeah, uh, uh, overall two and a half stars. I, I didn't feel like I wasted my time be- because the action scenes were were so good. I was entertained, but story wise, as a movie, complete dud. Now, if you go and read up on the manga, you understand that this has been going on for a very long time. The, the, the machines have basically turned the Earth's solar system into a Dyson sphere. The city is 32 AU wide. Holy smokes. Yes, that's about to Jupiter. Holy, and, wait, what? Yes, and, uh, and in, in, the, in the background story, Killy had to cross a floor that was the size of Jupiter. <laughs> wow. Yes, so he's old. All right. <laughs> I mean that 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 the other that other cyborg lady was at, was 2000 years old at least. She's been buried in there for 2000 years. Who 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 knows how long she was active before that. Okay, hold on. Hold on now. I have to ask something because sure. this I felt like you said it was kind of like the end of something. I felt like this would make a good beginning of something. Like if this were Well, yeah, yeah, like 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 condensed, but one of the, I kept watching the whole thing, right? I watched the whole 90 minutes or whatever. But I always believed that at some point something would be explained. Nope, nothing. Because that's how movies work. Nothing. And I was interested in knowing those answers. And you're and not, after and I've, not gonna get them. After, okay, well, after I finished watching the movie, I realized I wasn't getting them from that. And then 
I didn't quite feel like I wasted my time, but I was like, okay, obviously there's nothing there for me. But what you just told me sounds even crazier and it more is, interesting. I mean, but am I just going to go and try and read the comics and read, you're you know, have to. 50 manga and they're still not going to answer the yeah. question? No, 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 no. There, there, stuff there, actually there, there is going to be answers. There is going to be, if, if you, if you, uh, if, if you just read the, the read, read the manga, it, there is an end. Stuff gets explained okay. and they, and it gets wrapped up, tie little bow, but this should not have been a movie. Like I said, this is the last five episodes of season one of a five season series. All right. So that's yeah, why so I had to bring the, it down. Why? What's the point of this movie? I mean, None. it's like one little episode. No, no, it's a. It has to be a, an advertisement for the manga. It's only, only gonna think of. That's it. Now we're gonna so switch gears. The... No, no, no. We're we're gonna switch gears now. We're gonna go to. Okay. We're gonna go to El- Elfin Lead. Now this one just came up uh, on my on my Netflix suggested, which I'm really happy. I saw this years ago, and it finally came up. Now. Uh, just to let you know that I am not going to be able to uh, give you a clip of anything of substantive value in this entire 13-episode series because it is not family-friendly, all right? I love it so much, I had to put it here, but this is not family-friendly. I'm not going to be showing any blood, any, any guts, any nudity, but it's filled with it, all right? Just chocked full of it. But the story is so impressive and the, the and the animation is so good that I had to include it here. Now let's get to the particulars. Uh, directed by Mamuro Kanbe, uh, written by T- Takao Yoshiki. Blah. I'm getting too fast. Yoshioka. Yoshioka. Uh, music by Taro Iwashiro. Studio is Arm Studio. Licensed by Madman Entertainment, Sentai Filmworks, and 101 Films. Original network was JNN. Original run was July 2005, July 25th, 2004 to October 17th, 2004, and 13 episodes. And you can see it on Hulu. Now, let's get to our characters. Here we go. Here's our first one. Oh, isn't she cute? She is so cute. She is the main character. Uh, this is her in a brain-damaged form. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes, what? I am not kidding. I am not kidding. <laughs> She, <laughs> yes, what? she in the in the beginning in the beginning of the of the of the series, uh, sh, uh, this this woman is shot in the head with a fifty caliber bullet, and it it triggered a personality change. Th- this is this is a uh, uh, new, because all she says is new new, so they just call her new. All right. So when when you said this is not for, this is not all ages, you were underselling it. Yes, yes, it and uh, I'm gonna show it with the next slide. This is. This is our friend escaping imprisonment. Now, she is a Diclonus. Now, this is a subspecies of human. A Diclonus can create what's called vectors, invisible arms that stretch around two meters away from their body that can grab things, slice through things, almost anything, really, uh, crush things. And Diclonai use this very effectively in blocking bullets and killing humans. Now, as you can see in this in this uh, picture, she is uh, she has a helmet on, uh, not to protect her, but to keep her keep her sight lines out. And she is escaping from a beyond maximum security facility. Now, uh, when she finally gets out, the the 50 caliber round sniper gets her in the back of the head, but that uh, her vector took a lot of it and then the helmet took a lot more so it only it only you know only shook her noggin a bit 
to to give her that little uh, that little memory memory uh, personality switcheroo. Now, she fell in the water and was found by two people. All right, these these are the people who found her by the river. This uh, on the on the left is Kota. He is the cousin of the woman on the right, Yuka. Now Yuka's family is quite well off, and Kota has uh, has goes to school is going to school in the in the same. Uh, city as one of uh, Yuki's parents' vacation properties, so he gets to live there for free as long as he maintains it to become its, its caretaker. Well, uh, they, they 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 find her, wash up on the river, take 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 her back to the vacation home and get her all set up, and and now she's in that in that new 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 state, and she and she obviously can't <laughs> still funny. <laughs> I know she obviously can't take care of herself, so they have to take care of her. They have to teach her how to eat. They have to teach her how to you know how to put on clothes and stuff like that and and all kinds of stuff it it's a uh, yeah in, in in the beginning it's a little weird now later on uh recovery agents start coming for her and that's when kota and 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 yuka are like whoa what's going on because she is unconsciously uh bringing about her main personality which is lucy lucy has been tortured at that facility for a very long time. So whenever Nyu is attacked, Lucy momentarily comes out and shreds everyone around her. Just it's blood, it's gore, it's fantastic amounts of violence. I loved it. It was it was breathtaking, it was dramatic. It was the the the, the violence uh helped tell the story and I'm 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 going gonna, gonna to get to the overall story of it. Of it in a little bit, but first I'm going to talk about this guy. This guy is the uh, is the first real bad guy, like bad guy leader that you see. Okay, he he was he was uh, he was in charge of Lucy at the facility. All right, now his his name is Professor Kazuwa, uh, Kakuaza, Ka- Kakuzawa, Kakuzawa. There you go. Now he actually allowed Lucy to escape. He opened the outer door. She had reached the outer door, but was trapped. He had opened it and let her escape and covered up his tracks. Now, the reason for that is is one is part of the story long arc on on why Lucy was there in the first place and what her what her supposed purpose is and stuff like that. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin that. But uh, what I am going to say is that uh, I had to give it three and a half out of five stars. The reason I reason I knocked it down is because yes, it's a lot of gore and a lot of blood. So I I, I couldn't I couldn't give it a five. It uh, it it lost a half point because I did not personally like new new personality. It was really really upsetting when <laughs> when so whenever she was around. But the violence, the violence is necessary to tell the story that the writer wanted to want to tell. Now Throughout, throughout the entire beginning of the series, it talks about the inherent violence of, of, the, of, the, di- of the Diclonus subspecies. That they are inherently murderous of humans. Because they, they are, it's, it's the whole idea that uh, homo, homo sapien, and then there's going to be homo sapien superior, and when that happens, there's going to be a fight, and homo sapien superior is going to win. That's just how it is. It's the next evolution. Well, a Diclonus has all the intelligence of a human, but uh, seemingly like magic powers of slicing people in half and grabbing things that are that are too far away to reach and all, all that other kind of cool stuff. But throughout the series, it is made abundantly clear purposefully 
that most of the violence is started and or perpetrated by human beings. Nice. Through fear. And it's that fear that causes the, di- the Diclonae to actually be hateful and vengeful. And by the end of the series, you get it. It's been made perfectly clear. Every, every single di- Diclonus that has been in human hands at one time or another has been mistreated badly. And you would, you would kill yourself every day of your life if you were treated as badly as, badly as these guys. You would wake up and just be rocking in the corner. You'd be so psychologically messed up if you had to endure what, uh, you know, a tenth of what any of, of these di- Diclonae have had to endure in the hands of humans. So for the storytelling and the and the and the and the amazing style and animation, three and a half stars is 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 dead on. I mean, like I said, the 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 violence was heavy, but it had purpose. The the nudity was, I I wouldn't say it, it was purposeful to the plot, but uh, it wasn't. I would say too gratuitous. I mean, you know, it it, it was in the in the first couple episodes. It's it's pretty prevalent because you know. You didn't know about clothes, really. It's so ridiculous. And 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 Lucy was uh, was purposefully kept naked so she couldn't use clothes to to kill somebody with. Yeah. So, um, heathen dog. Yes. From what I like, I've not seen this. Okay. It sounds pretty interesting. I'm gonna go watch it. But it sounds like you really really liked it. But I. So why why didn't you give it more than three and a half stars? Like well, what came up short? Uh. Like like I said, you lost a half star for the new new crap. The that right, that, okay. that 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 whole that whole plot where she has that that childlike innocent personality. It didn't have to be taken t- so far, you know. It went it went to like a um, what was what was that movie? Uh, the one with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, and Ben Stiller where they were in the jungle, something thunder. Oh yeah, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, yes. Where where Robert Downey Downey Jr.'s character says, "Never go full retard." Yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what they did with Lucy. She went from she went from a high functioning sociopath to, you know, full retard. So simple Jack. Simple Jack. Yeah, she she went straight up simple Jack. You know, when when she could have gone say, uh, Forrest. My Gump. left foot. Forrest Ooh, Gump. Good one. Forrest yeah. Gump. Could have yeah. gone Forrest Gump and been okay, but nope, went stupid simple jack. All the way there. It was it was painful to watch. So that 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 lost some right there. And I will admit some some of the nudity is is a little bit unnecessary. All the violence though, while horrible, is necessary to to augment the story. Well let me say I, I looked it up real quick while you were describing it, and the two things I saw about it is that one Apparently, it is described as transgressive, which sounds pretty hardcore. So, I'd be curious to know if you can tell us how it's transgressive without spoiling anything. And the second thing is that uh, Adult Swim actually tried to, they inquired about licensing it. Apparently, the lady running Adult Swim watched it on one sitting and was in love with it, and she knew how, how, uh, inappropriate it was for broadcast TV, even Adult Swim, but she still checked. And, what she was told was that it would have to be shredded, cut to ribbons, and it would be completely unintelligible what you could still air on TV. 
Yes, yes, that that is absolutely true. I mean, uh, the, the the graphic violence alone would 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 make it just poison, just radioactive to to a broadcast network. I mean, the the, the nudity can be managed. I mean, you know, they they, they do it on on Hulu now with like you know, like fuzzing out areas and stuff like that, or 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 digitally putting clothes on people. You know, that right. that's manageable. But the all the but the the copious amounts of blood it just cannot be covered up at all there 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 is no magical technique to 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 uh, to cleanse the the eyeballs of all this blood and blood and gore and death i mean i i can i can name a dozen decapitations right off the top of my head okay in this series it's it's phenomenal the, the amount of violence but like i said necessary to tell a story so okay so how is it if you i don't know i don't know what they mean by transcendent i don't know what they mean by that Transgressive. Oh, transgressive. I have, I have no idea what I know what the word means, but I don't know how to how to how to relate it to to an anime of uh, you know like like this. I can't. I, I, I don't know what they're talking about when they're when they're saying that. Now they they, they used a, a lot of uh, um, old old rehash some old stories and some of the subplots, you know, like like old fables and stuff. Okay. You know, br- br- brought those into into the modern era. You know, uh, the 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 whole thing is is named after. I told you, uh, named after a poem from 1780 by Wolfgang Goethe. There you go. Uh, he wrote he wrote this, and there's also a song, Elfenlied. It actually means uh, "Song of the Elves." And uh, okay, so this is a naive question, but shoot, are there elves in it? Because I think you said it was fantasy. Is yes, it, like it is that fantasy. Kind of fantasy. And uh, the the uh, Diclonus is the modern day elf. They are they are very rare. They are they're they're seem seemingly magical. They're all female. They're all beautiful. So that's what okay. they're talking about. And and the the whole the whole story is is about is about their song, their their story. You know, like you, you by by the end of the series, you completely understand where they're coming from and. And uh, what they should be doing, and why everything happened to them, and why the humans did what they did—you understand everything. And it's a—it's a—it's a beautiful okay. arc. By the end, of, by the end, you're like, "Wow, that was an amazing journey," and I loved it. So it is the anti-blame. Yes, yes, it actually explains stuff. Whereas <laughs> blame didn't explain anything. Development, explanation. Yes, they did, which is great. I loved it. It was good stuff. Now we're 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 getting ready to uh, to do our uh, comic poll, so brace yourself, people. It's coming. I'm braced. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Garthon's Comic Pull. I am Garthon, pulling those comics every week, just for all you kids out there in the universe who want to know what's happening. Even even for those who don't, I'll still do it anyway. I don't care. Anyway. First book we're going to talk about this week is Spider-Man number 17. This features the Miles Morales Spider-Man, originally from the Ultimate Universe, but now in Marvel Mainline continuity, which is good, because he's an awesome character with a great supporting cast. Let's see, this here issue was written by Brian Michael Bendis. The interior artist is Oscar Bezaldua. And the cover by Patrick Brown. I apologize for mingling any names. I am but human. Or so I claim to be. Anywho, uh, interesting issue. In this, it starts off with a recent associate of Spider-Man and Gonkies, the uh, a female, young female superheroine named Bombshell. 
she is trying to like promote herself a little bit because she's out there. She can make things blow up with her mind. And she's trying to make a name for herself as a superhero. She's not trying to be super famous or anything, but she just wants people to know who they are. So they're like, hey, kid, in a suit, get out of the way. She's like, I'm a superhero. I can take care of myself. I'm trying to do the fight the good fight. And then she happens to see a crime start to go down. So she runs over there as fast as she can. And it turns out that it's Hammerhead of, you know, Amazing Spider-Man fame. Uh, the gangster with a big flat top head. It's kind of a fun villain, really. Kind of a mook, but actually a lot brighter than just your average mook. A real survivor of the various mob wars that have gone on in the Marvel streets. Um, he's breaking it. He's not breaking into a place. He's essentially knocking up, knocking over a place, roughing it up, roughing up the owners because they have failed to pay the protection fees that the black cat, the new mob, mob boss in town, wants them to pay. They're like, oh, I cannot pay you. He's like, oh, you will pay us. And so... What's, what's interesting is Hammerhead was roughing the people, guys up. It's like there are people like there with cell phones. He's like, all right, you see it. I'm not hurting him. I'm not. Hurt, I'm not hurting him bad. All right. I want that known? I'm not. A, not a, that kind of guy. And then, you know, Bombshell tries to stop him. He goes, whoa, look, little girl. I don't know who you are, but you're out of your league, and uh, you need to just go home. Bombshell is having none of this, and gets involved and starts throwing some explosives at his head. Um. Well, at him, and he blocks with the top of his head, and she realizes, oh, he's actually pretty tough. And then he goes, knocks her over, you know, knocks her out across the, the street, knocks her a bunch of trash piles. And he looks at all the people at the onlook and says, you saw that. She attacked me first. I didn't want to attack her. I don't want to attack a little girl. She attacked me. I was defending myself. All right? All right. God, I get some bad press this way. I, I like that aspect of it that... Hammerhead is a villain. He is a mobster, but he does have kind of that mafia code of honor going on where he doesn't rough up women and kids if he can avoid it. If you pull a gun on him, you try and hurt him, okay, he's going to defend himself, but he is not going to rough up women and kids. And I liked seeing that. A little bit of honor among thieves. Uh, I've always found Hammerhead to be an interesting character. Kind of, he's just that line of goofy where he hasn't gone quite overboard that I appreciated. Anyway, um, she ends up getting back up and trying to hurt him even more, so he has to defend himself and ends up knocking her out. Hurts her kind of bad. And then he always looks at the cameras, God, I didn't want it to go down this way. You saw, she attacked me first, guy, I'm sorry. And finishes, you know, his business with the, you assume he finishes his business with the storekeeper who wasn't paying their protection money. But after that, it goes to Miles Morales talking with his buddies in his dorm room. And he talks about how in the last issue, he kind of lost it. He was chasing a purse snatcher, ran into a bar, and he ended up beating up every single person in there. Kind of viciously, just knocking them all out. And like, well, did they attack you first? Like, well, yeah. It's like, well, you they're trying to extend it. You defended yourself. And it's, he's like, that's not it. I felt I was losing it. I could have walked out. There was no reason to chase a purse snatcher into there and beat up all those people. I, I just, I'm worried I might be losing it. I'm going a little too far. And I like that aspect because it's an interesting play on what kind of damage would this constant life of danger have on a teenager's psyche. And I think Brian Michael Bettis is doing a good job kind of exploring that. Um, because he's been dealing with a lot of really heavy stuff. I mean, the last big crossover, he was prophesized to kill Captain America on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. 
was something which he hints at still in the Secret Empire stuff, hints that still might happen. That he's going after Captain America because it was already prophesied he's going to beat the snot at him. And now since Captain America is Hydra Man, yeah. Anywho, but while this is going on, they find out that their friend, or Spider-Man's friend, Bombshell, is in the hospital. They visit her, and she's pretty beat up. Not like bloody over. It's like, oh, you know, I had to kick, you know, she, she tries to play it off a little bit, and they find out Hammerhead did it to her, and he just storms out. And he immediately hunts down Hammerhead, where in the middle of his, you know, bar, where he's hanging out with his buddies, and he, you know, they're not bright. I beat up a girl. He's still kind of, I didn't want to do this. And then Spider shows up, says, you beat up my friend. I'm going to be, and he's like, I know, I didn't even want to beat up that girl. And of course she has friends. Of course she has friends. You see, I didn't even want to get to fight this girl, and now she has friends coming for me. This, see, see. He's like, I could have killed her. I could have. I didn't. I didn't. No good deed to go so punished. And Sp Spidey, Miles just loses it and just starts wailing on him. And then what looks like he has to beat down, he's like, oh, God, I'm, you know, hammerhead's down. He can't move anymore. Spidey lets up, then Hammerhead jumps up, just starts beating the snot of Spider. It's like, you never let up in a fight. You never let up until you've won. And Spidey turns the tables on him and doesn't let up on him and beats him unconscious. Blood flying everywhere. It's You just see him lose it. That's a really dramatic moment. And like I said, I think it's a little scary. It's not really where you want to see Spider-Man, but it does a great job, I think, of demonstrating what effect is constant violence always fighting for your life, going to have on his psyche. Not to mention the fact that his mother, he just had this whole thing where his mother just found out that his, that he's living a secret identity, that also her husband, his father's been lying to her, that he's back with S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, her world's falling apart, he's feeling guilty. All this stuff's going on in his life, and it's all wearing on him really heavy. And this is a nice, realistic, in a way, depiction of that. And you really feel for the guy. And so I just think just a great job there. Um, it does finish with a little thing where Miles's mother is going to visit, trying to visit him in his dorm room. And uh, one of his friends says, oh, he's not here. It's like, let me guess. He's out. Yeah, well, I'll just wait for him. And, of course, the dorm room's empty. Because the, uh, the two other guys in the, who he shares the room with are both in the hospital visiting Bombshell. And... I think it's bombshell. And the and Spidey is busy beating the living crap at a hammerhead. And so that's another stress in his life. And it's just it's a lot of like that kind of Parker luck thing, you know it's not Peter Parker where just kinda of everything's going wrong at once. All these little things building up. But it was a great book, kept me interested from beginning to end. I really wanted what's going on next. I really feel for Spidey. Uh it's just really well put together, really well paced. Uh the artist, uh, Oscar Bazaldua, does a great job uh, presenting everything. All the fight scenes remain clear. Everything is understandable. The characters have a lot of expression and action in them. Uh, the coloring is great. But a really solid stand-up book. Really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's an above-average book, definitely, because it's setting up things for the future. It's exploring character emotions without going too over-the-top about it. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed it. I think I'll give this a 4 out of 5. Not super, super awesome, but really good. Um, uh, currently, Spider-Man is the 
It's in the running for best Spider-Man series between this and uh, Renew Your Vows. But, uh, yeah, in mainline Marvel continuity, like I've said before, this is the best Spider-Man book. So, highly recommended. Definitely recommended over Amazing Spider-Man. 45. Next book. Let's talk about X-Men, baby. Uh, X-Men Gold, number five. Woohoo! In our last issue, well, let's start. It's written by Mark Guggenheim. Artist is R.B. Silva. Uh, art isn't the strongest. It's not bad. Uh, it's not superstar artist time here, definitely. It's definitely serviceable. Not my favorite art of any book. Uh, so, kind of sadly about that. But the art is good. Not great. Uh, the way everything's paced out is really well. Uh, coloring, I wasn't fond of. Uh, it's like they're trying to be too dramatic with the coloring. Uh, I'd really prefer coloring to be more realistic in this book. Uh, they try to do a lot of like monochromatic backgrounds and stuff, and it just it went a little overboard to me. Too many purple and red backgrounds. So I think it was, they were trying to keep like a color tone to it, and I don't think it worked out very well. Uh, but the writing is really strong. In the last issue we saw that a super experimental nanite swarm type thing got merged with a sentinel programmed computer and so it made a super sentinel nanite swarm um, which is always great and it's Gambit's fault because for some reason Gambit's always an idiot I don't know why they always write him like an idiot except when they don't He's either super competent, super suave, or absolute idiot who causes everyone problems. There is no in-between with Gambit, and I think that's a tragic flaw in his character, or rather in how he's written. It seems like writers either love or hate Gambit, and I don't think this writer loves him, because they're not treating him like the smartest guy. Anywho. So, the nano-sentinels out there, the X-Men have to band together to stop it, Last time, they were able to stop it by uh, Kitty Pride uh, just phases and touches it, you know, because her phasing disrupts machines. But because it's a adaptive, hyper-intelligent nanite swarm, it doesn't kill it, it just knocks it out. And the rest of it that did get knocked out reforms later. When they finally catch up to it again, uh, she tries the same thing, and of course, it adapted because it's a hyper-intelligent adaptive nanite swarm. And what's funny is, like, as she's going, you know, Trask, Olivia Trask, is like, yeah, it's not going to... is saying, as she jumps out to the other action, it's not going to work. That's a highly adaptive nanite swarm. And after she phases through it, she thinks to herself, oh, I'm an idiot. Of course it didn't work. It's a highly adaptive nanite swarm. Which is kind of funny. It was a good moment. So, but the key to beating at that time, the next, the second time, is that the first time they knocked it out, the uh, Jean Grey, not Jean Grey, Rachel Grey, formerly the Phoenix, uh, got psychic feedback. So the thing is actually conscious. It has psychic energy. So this time she concentrates, uses her psychic, and they find this nanite swarm is actually attacking all over the city, not just there. Uses her psychic for vast psychic powers, attacks all the sentinel swarm, knocks it out. Or at least all that she could find is still out there. And so they have it down for now. They're still going to need to find the rest of it as it's reforming. 
and they realize that the sentinel was attacking them but it was also attacking normal people like there's a dead uh fashion model there's a dead taxi driver that this sentinel's killed and so nightcrawler's like wait 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 uh scan them for any scan them for any genetic abnormalities like well and well this is what don't scan these says what about thing and he's like wait that model is reputed to have color blindness and i bet if you s medically scan the cabbie he has some other genetic defect it's like this sentinel's not just attacking mutants he's attacking anyone with any sort of genetic defect and that was actually kind of a stunning moment to me it's like oh damn any little deviation any mutation anything not considered like a perfect genetic human this sentinel swarm is going to wipe out and which means you know 90 percent of the populace is going to be going after because just about everyone has something you know and what are its norms like you're, would it take out someone who's too short would it take out someone who's too tall you know you're, they haven't defined all that but something like as minor as color blindness uh, what if you have hay fever? What if you have an allergy, a genetic allergy to something? So that's actually kind of disturbing when he starts talking about that. And that's what really caught me about this issue, like just how dangerous this could be. Uh, you get a bit of the team trying to come together to get this. I'm not really interested in the nanite sentinel. Oh, it's a little, a little too much for me, really. It's just kind of eye-rolling. Why can't it just be regular sentinels? Why does it have to be adaptive nanite sentinel? If it's really that smart and self-aware that to the point that has psychic energy, wouldn't it be able to question its actions or carry on a conversation? So it has done none of these things. Wouldn't it have had to have gotten part past the I think therefore I am stage? You would think that some part it would like question its existence. Like, why is my existence only to be to kill all these non-perfect things and all these other non-perfect things trying to stop me? How come I'm the only one trying to kill them all? Huh. You no, know, I mean, so it just seems that it's some sort of, you'd have some sort of, if you are self-aware, you're going to be able to think these questions. You can say, well, so it's programmed not to. Well, if it goes by programming, it's not just, it's not self-aware, is it? Well, you can say that, well, your instincts are programming, you know. Every human has instincts towards, you know, finding a mate or finding food. Well, yes, true. But you're not going to use your instinctual urges over your logic. Only in the rarest of occasions does that happen. They'll influence your logic. I'm not saying they won't. But you're not going to say, are me hungry. And you're not going to, you know, kill someone at a McDonald's because they refuse to give you a cheeseburger. No, you're going to try and find a way to get a cheeseburger or some other food. And essentially, that's what this guy's doing. He's not thinking. He's just doing so there's some right writing issues here as well in my opinion maybe i'm looking too deep into it it's just a comic book but when you say something self-aware and adaptive and highly intelligent i'm going to start asking these questions anyway not a bad book not great i'll give it a two and a half out of five uh the x-men gold series started really strong uh this book also does have a bit with the senator who you thought was kind of wrapped up after the last story arc where they said, ha, we have proof that you hired all these people to cause anti-mutant hysteria. And she's like, oh, you got this stuff. But now she's back doing the same thing, like she doesn't care. And I don't like that either. It's like, aren't we done with that chick? So it seems like they're already falling into X-Men tropes really hard. 
And it seemed at first they had gotten over that. They had new beginnings and started strong. We're only on issue five, and I'm already going feel like, wow, these uh, these ruts in the road are sure pretty deep that we're already in. So, kind of a shame. Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. It's not bad. It's not great. It just kind of is. If you like X-Men, you'll like it. If you don't like X-Men, you won't like it. Um, it's not a bad book. It's not a great book. It's a very average book. X-Men Gold, number five. And last on our list is actually kind of surprising. It is Batman, number 24. It's not surprising I'd read Batman. Everyone knows I read Batman. But, uh, written by Tom King. Uh, art is by David Finch and Clay Mann, with the inks by Danny Mickey. Uh, color by Jordi Belair. And the cover is by Jordi Belair, David Finch, and Danny Mickey. Most of this book... This book kind of jumps around, actually, between time frames... So the consistency of the story isn't great. Most of it takes place upon the backdrop of Batman speaking to Gotham Girl, who's introduced about a year ago, about the time I stopped buying Batman, because the writer Tom King really loves Batman navel-gazing. He loves Batman to sit there and stand in the rain, or run in the rain, or chase a perp in the rain, while thinking to himself about whether his parents still love him and crap like that. Uh, that's why I stopped buying Batman. But I recently I started picking up again because I heard it was good and uh, it's it's okay. But like I said, most of this is done the backdrop of Batman having a conversation with Gotham Girl. Uh, they're talking about how using her powers slowly kills her. So what can she do? Should she stop being a superhero? What's Batman's opinion? And it starts going to this navel-gazing thing about he's Batman because he's Batman, because he's always been Batman. And that's who he is, because he's Batman. And it kind of goes in a bit of circular logic for a while, while other more exciting things are kind of happening in media res, which is kind of there. The book, jumped, like, the book jumps around a lot while trying to keep a coherent narrative. The art is okay. It's uh, a little messier than I like. It sure as hell ain't Neil Adams. Um, and it goes through a lot of him talking with Gotham Girl. Eventually he tells her that you know he'll set up training for her so she won't have to use her power. So she can keep being a superhero. And she gets to use her powers in emergencies when she needs to. And that way she'll be okay. And she's like, oh boy, great. See, they're having this conversation about not using her power shield to kill her, while the whole time she's flying around. So that doesn't make any dang sense to me. Doing this might kill me, but I'm just going to casually keep doing it, because, you know, I can. You know, That's like talking to an alcoholic. They're like, yeah, and drinking is killing me, I know, and you're having this conversation in a bar. And you keep feeding her whiskey. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah drinking's going to keep killing me, but should I keep drinking? Do you think I should? Well, you know, here's another here's another whiskey. Yeah, you know. Ugh. Ugh. So anyway. So basically, a conversation that could have taken like three panels, they end up taking a whole lot of pages. But while they're talking, you... It goes back and forth between showing them having this conversation and I guess jumping to the future where it's like raining and dark and Batman is chasing Catwoman down. 
So he chased her down uh, onto some roof because there's always some roof. And, you know, he starts talking to her and says, Yo, Selena, it's me, Batman. And he talked about how the first time he met her, he stopped her from stealing a diamond on it. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, this way. He said, no, it was you were stealing this diamond on a ship. And I knew that it was important and blah, blah, blah. And he mentions that he then, what you don't know is I ended up buying that diamond. Because it reminded me of you. And he goes on this conversation about how, like, they've met, what they've meant to each other. And then he actually kneels down and presents that diamond she sold to him and says, will you, will you marry me? Because I guess during the conversation about the future, he was thinking about his future and what, because they have a good conversation about what makes him happy. And he says that he's not happy, but he tries to be Batman to make him happy. But being Batman doesn't make him happy, but that's what he keeps doing because it's the only thing that could make him happy, he thinks. And that's when he decides that what he needs is to marry Catwoman. So this has actually become a very dramatic and, a, well, among collectors, it's become an important issue because Batman proposes marriage to to the Black Cat. Not Black Cat. Catwoman. He'd be better with Black Cat, I think. Anyway. Nah, Catwoman's probably better for him. Depending on who's writing it. So, the big deal at this issue, this issue's already sold out most places. They're doing a second run because he proposes to Catwoman, which is kind of neat. And those two wacky kids, maybe they can make it work. Who knows? Catwoman's gone back and forth between bad guy, good guy, for a very long time. But this issue didn't seem to have a very good setup towards it. I guess he's question, he's considering his mortality at this point. Um, trying to find some happiness in this world, which is fine. I just... The writing seems really... A, poor. It kind of circles in around itself. Um, things just assumed. Not that everything needs to be spelled out, of course. But it just it seems really kind of out of nowhere. You know, even with the, the past of them. This is something you should be building to, not something just sprung. You know? <sighs> so it's an interesting issue, and that's why I finished off the comic pull this week with it. Not the best comic I read this week. A very surprising end. I wish the writing was stronger. I wish the art was stronger. I wonder very strongly where they're going with this. Like, is this actually going to happen? Or is this a red herring? Very, very interesting where this could go. I don't know if Tom King is up for it. Other people I've heard praising Tom King's writing, I, I don't see it compared to someone like... Um, Brian Michael Bendis or Jeff Johns. He's definitely not at that level. Um, I don't find his writing to be as strong as Al Ewing's. That, he has a very different style, though. Uh, like I said, Tom just loves Batman navel-gazing. He must have been a huge fan of like the uh, 90s Angstman comics, where the X-Men would spend three issues talking about their feelings about a fight. You know? And that's what he loves, apparently. He loves Batman to talk about his feelings. I stopped buying Batman comics a year ago because all Batman did for three issues was run around and think about his feelings. He's freaking Batman. How does he feel? He feels like he's freaking Batman. That's how he feels, okay? Eh. Ugh. So, anyway. Is this a good book? It's okay. 
Is it a bad book? No. Um, I will give it a three out of five, slightly above average. It uh, the reason people love it or are talking about it is because of the surprise at the end with the proposal to Catwoman. If that wasn't in there, I wouldn't recommend the book. I if it wasn't for that, it'd probably be a two point five. But because of that nice surprise, it's a it's a three. So yeah, three out of five. Batman number twenty four. Um, anyone who's saying this series is awesome, they're going to have to tell me why. Please do. I'd really like to be on your wavelength, or at least be able to tune into it occasionally. Because they're, especially coming after the last creators and how strong they were, you just can't really match that. Uh, the Greg Capula era. So, yeah, that is Gamic, Gar- sorry, it's Garthon's comic poll for the 10th of June, 2017. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can check out more of Garthon when he teams up with Heathen Dog for Star Trek Online Foundry missions every day of, well, every weekday. Also, you could check out uh, my Final Fantasy XIV stream Sunday night at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. And oh, now back to your regular hosts. Okay, thank you very much, Garthon. That was great. Now, I wish he was here. I really, really wish Garthon was here to explain to me this guy shooting balls out of his chest. <laughs> I want to know about him. Like, 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 I don't care about the about the the, the the dork with the with the phone on the bottom. I don't care about him. I care about the guy throwing balls out of his chest because those balls are everywhere on the screen. Maybe he's like the new speedball. If so, the old speedball had better balls, I think. Wow, that was some bad <laughs> phrasing. Yeah, that was some bad yeah, phrasing. I don't think we're allowed to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, with the X Men Gold thing, he kept saying, "What, what was it? The, the uh, adaptive, uh, the nano adaptive matrix, Nanite or whatever it was." Yeah. And they think they kept saying it over and over in the book, and he kept saying it over and over just to emphasize that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> That definitely did not sound like a good book. No, no, it, it didn't sound like it was gonna, it was gonna uh, uh, do do well. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much, Garthon. Uh, I hope you are doing well in your mission, and that uh, you are uh, you are garroting the bad guy as we speak. Good luck to you. Should we talk some about any of those comics now? Do you want to? I was just gonna say a couple things. About which one? Well, the Spider-Man, like, I'm years behind in everything. Right. So the only bit of that Spider-Man I've read is actually the first five issues of his series. And um, I have to say, like, it was really good. I was shocked. I just, I had heard about it, you know, and you heard like, oh, they're doing a new Spider-Man. I know it's, you know, it, it sounded gimmicky when I first heard about it. But I gave it a shot because it was Brian Michael Bendis. Like, whatever, I'll read it. It was actually really good, and it reminded me a lot of his first run of Ultimate Spider-Man in the sense that he wasn't doing – it wasn't like new stuff. It was it was still Spider-Man. It still felt like Spider-Man, but it was just like a little bit different than what had come before. So it didn't feel – like Ultimate Spider-Man, he literally did kind of retread the old ground, but he still made it feel fresh. But with this Miles Morales Spider-Man, you know, he's got a totally – different backstory and different supporting cast and everything but he really still again it's only five issues but in five issues like i felt like this kid is 
like a Spider-Man. Yeah. Like uh, Al even talked about him having the Parker luck. Well, yeah. he's obviously not Peter Parker. And, and if the book is still as good now as it was in the first five issues, it's really kind of remarkable to be able to do like a, 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 a new or a legacy version of a character and make it feel authentic but still be different it reminds me of jeff johns like when jeff johns was doing it with the jsa and some of those books like 10 or 15 years ago right right i mean uh, he's he's done uh miles morales spider-man a few times over the last uh six months or so and uh every time at the 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 least of the books was three and a half or four stars so yeah it's 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 been doing really well they, they've had they have a great team with them uh and uh, i hope they continue that in the future yeah cause it, i mean yeah, it's kind of surprising. Then the other book, like the X Men thing, doesn't really interest me anymore. Um, no, and it sounds like we're not missing much. Yeah, but uh, the Batman book, like I'm not current, so I haven't read any of this run he's talking about. So I, the new writer is this guy Tom King, and I think Tom King actually got famous writing Injustice, which was that super popular video game where. Superman goes evil, right, 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 and like they kill a bunch of people and stuff. Uh, I think that's who writes Batman now, and he's kind of become a famous writer. So I was curious about this run because I had heard with this book in particular that it's a big deal because he yeah. proposed. But I, I understand, yeah, I understand what he was saying though. If uh, Bat, you don't want to see Batman constantly mulling over his feelings in in friggin' thought bubbles. You don't want that. Just, just like you said, I, I'm, I, what I feel, I feel like I'm Batman. All right, now shut your hole. I'm gonna put yeah, my, it, I'm gonna put my face in you. I'm gonna put, put my fist in your face. That's what I'm gonna do. That's how I feel. It doesn't sound good, so I don't feel like I'm missing anything because yeah. I'm not reading it. So that's good. But a contrast it with All Star Batman. Maybe we can talk about that during the RNG. Maybe because so. That's Be, one because like first few issues. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't spoil it. Because first we have to go to. A teachable moment with Sean Cthulhu McKinney. He's going to tell us all about how he consumes the majority of his comics. Lay it on us. Should I start? Well, okay. Um, the way that I probably consume the majority of my comics now is actually electronic versions. Right, right, and uh, two specific uh, ones you've mentioned to me. One you have a subscription to, and that is? That is uh, Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited, yeah, and uh, we, we talked about it earlier today, and I, I went to the website, and I checked it out. I, you, I borrowed your credentials. I'm not going to use them because that's, that's not right. I borrowed your credentials so I could take a look around and uh, have a clip of it if we're ready to, ready to check it out. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Uh, should I introduce what it is in general? Yeah, go ahead and talk over the this. Clip? That's great. Go ahead. Okay, so I might be a few seconds behind because I think I missed the impetus. But what Marvel Unlimited is, is it's a monthly subscription service that allows you to read Marvel Comics online. It costs $9.99 uh, a month. And you can either read on uh, an app on your tablet or you can read on a computer. So what you can see is like all these Daredevil books that were recently added. You can see what books are popular in a given month. Um, and then you can also see which books were newly added. 
Now, what Marvel has been doing is not just adding books that are newly published, but they also go backwards. So you saw earlier some Daredevil books, maybe from the 90s or maybe the early 2000s. Um, you can see the more recent books like uh, the Unworthy Thor. I think I saw him up there and some Civil War II books. So Marvel will add all the new books uh, six months after they've been published. And then they flesh out by adding back books. So like you even saw crazy things like old issues of um, Marvel Man. Uh, and they'll sometimes add, you know, books from the 60s, 70s, Golden Age, Bronze Age, all kinds of stuff. And you can read as many as you want for 10 bucks a month. So it is a spectacular deal. Yeah, the, like, the only downside is that you don't own any of those content. You don't actually download them. You can only watch them on their servers, right? That's absolutely correct. Okay. You do not own them in any sense of the okay. word. You're, you're just you're just paying 10 bucks a month for the privilege of looking at any comic that Marvel has come out with uh, that, they have, that they have on that server from years back to six months ago. That's right. And um, just by way of, like, shilling for it, I guess – if you're like me, and, and maybe Brad, I don't know if you're like this or not, but years ago, my problem was that I didn't have enough money to buy all the comic books I wanted. They, they got kid, expensive, right? yes. Yeah, it got expensive. Now I don't have the time to read all the comic books that I want, right? Like, we're grown-ups, we have jobs and stuff. Like, I still remember being 15 and wishing I could buy more comics. Well, now, I don't really have the time. So, even in the books I want to read, I'm six months behind. And they're so expensive, like you said, they're like three ninety nine or two ninety nine. So with the Marvel Unlimited subscription, at ten bucks a month, I mean that would buy me like two or three comics. So if you read a trade paperback a month or you just read a few comics a month, you're saving money. Now, it's true, you don't get to keep them, you can't sell them later if they become valuable. But one of the other things I found as I've gotten older is I've had to move a bunch of times, and I, I think literally... I still have some of your comics. You probably do yes. because I, I, have... I had Watchmen. The, the I had the original Watchmen that 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 you bought off of off of uh, uh, comic stands when you when you were a kid. I had those for years on my shelf, saving them for you because you moved so much. Yeah, I did, and I had some you know with parents and stuff, and it just listen. There's some books I'll still be reading in 20 years, but. Not most of them, right? Like, look at, like, Al's comic poll, right? Like, those three books, he probably doesn't want any of those three books 10 years from now. But you do this long enough, and you've got thousands of books you're carrying around. So I don't really mind the fact that I'm only kind of renting access to the comics. Like, that, it's just something I've gotten over. I've realized that it's so cheap, and it's so convenient that it's fine. Like, most of the stuff I only want to read anyhow Right, I understand. Well, what 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 about comics that are that are current? I mean, where 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 do you go to get that? Well, it's funny you should ask because there is a service called Comixology, which is the major retail distributor outlet, outlet or okay. distributor, okay. yeah, for yeah. Uh, uh, comic books, electronic versions. Okay, are, are we ready for that clip? Sounds good. Okay.
so when you go to Comixology, the first thing you'll see is that they have all kinds of different publishers. You get manga like Attack on Titan, you get Image Comics, you get Captain America, you get uh, Darth Vader. <clears throat> um, they also have a subscription service called Comixology Unlimited, which I don't try. But if you want to go get the newest book, like Infamous Iron Man. Yes, right? I searched you for this. Now, I, I want before you continue, I want to say that... Uh... Uh, uh, I found the Marvel website while I was browsing it a lot more intuitive than I found the Comicsology website because uh, I was trying to I was trying to look for all the comics and I, f I finally found them here and I found up to number eleven which is which came out on August thirtieth which is only you know it was a week or so ago so they they are definitely are current with uh with 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 what we're talking about so that was excellent but. Um, I found the Marvel website easier to browse for someone who's never done it before than, than I did Comixology. That's interesting because I find the opposite. Like every time I have to go to the Marvel website, I, I get a little irritated with it. But I've been using and reading comics on Comixology for years now. So I've probably just become very used to it. And, and it can be kind of weird sometimes how you search for things. So I guess I've just gotten... You know how you get used to things. I think I've just kind of internalized their organization. Right, right. Now I got a question for you. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually get into this because I didn't open an account with, uh, with Comicsology, especially their unlimited thing. Now, say you say you haven't done that, but have you looked into it? I mean, does that include current comics? I have looked into it, and it doesn't include very many current comics. I see. In, in fact, I would say categorically, you're not going to find this month's comics. However. Comixology was bought by Amazon a few years ago. So if you follow Amazon at all, you know they're just voracious. And they've been adding more and more books all the time to the unlimited. So if you're interested in a service that lets you read a whole lot of different books from different publishers, I'd keep my eye on unlimited because I wouldn't be surprised to see it sometime in the next few years switch to including current stuff and being continually updated right right with uh with amazon's you know big backing i mean the this is actually possible where you could get a subscription service with with you know up-to-date comics updated every month yeah exactly and from again you get multiple publishers so you get a, a variety of different anime or i'm sorry manga publishers you also get you know marvel and dc you get dark horse you get image but you also get like idw um and geez, even some foreign publishers, like people that do the European stuff, the bidet. But let me say my favorite thing about Comixology is the sales. Going back to comics being so expensive, Comixology will frequently have sales of some sort or another. Like right now it's Wonder Woman because it's tied into the movie. Right, right. Makes sense. When they do a sale, the average is a dollar a book. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I bought like, I don't know, 3000 or so, because I can't afford to buy all the, even though I kind of said otherwise earlier, I still can't really afford to buy every book I'm curious about at $4 an issue or whatever. Right, right. I got a question though. Um, now with, with Comixology, you're, you're spending money per book. Does that mean you, you get to own a digital copy? So it's... Like everything in the digital world, it's kind of weird. But some publishers include DRM-free copies. So Image, for example. All of the Image books I've bought, so like um, 
uh, Invincible or Walking Dead. I read those through Comixology. And every one of those I buy, I also can get a DRM free copy. And I can download that as either a CLZ file, which is a Comixology file, or as a simple PDF. Oh, so you can, so you can, it's cross-platform at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So the image books I've bought, I can, you know, even if Comixology or Amazon somehow amazingly go bust or whatever, I'll still have those copies as long as I've got a computer that can read a PDF. Right, right. But uh, Marvel and DC have not done that yet. So if you buy yeah. if you buy a comic on Comixology, you, you spend like the $3 or whatever for X-Men or for Batman or for Superman or whatever, you actually don't own a copy of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard, it's depends on what you mean by own, but like you don't get a DRM free. So all you have is the version that you can access through Comixology. So as long as things are continuing the way they have been, you're good. But in theory, it could change. Right, right. Now, for me personally, in the beginning, I worried about that because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to buy a bunch of crap that I'm going to lose as soon as the Comixology goes away. And then that was where Comixology was bought by Amazon as well. But I have to say, I've been buying comics on Comixology for, I don't know, seven years or so, and they're still there. So I'm comfortable enough spending a dollar a book or whatever okay, for that's the sales fair. to keep doing it. That's fair. Okay. I got you. Well, there you go. There's your teachable moment with Sean Cthulhu McKinney. Thank you very much for coming on this show, by the way. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm not supposed to use your real name, so whatever. Heathen dog. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am more than happy to help you anytime I can. Great. Now, normally this would be where we have our RNG segment, where we just talk about what random random stuff is rolling around our brains, and we see what number comes up. But before we do that, uh, today has been a bad day, as uh, as uh, uh, Law and I both know. Um, Adam West has died today um, at the age of 88. Uh, after a short fight with leukemia. And he was 88 years old. And uh, just so everyone knows that, uh, sure, he did not have a huge career after Batman, but um, he did he did have steady work. So he was, he was never... Family guy? Important. Yeah, family guy, definitely. Some guest spots. He had plenty of voiceover action under his belt. Um, now remember, and that was a show that... Did royalties i'm sure oh yeah royalties were amazing i mean uh, it only had what three seasons uh, started in 1966 but yeah. uh, it was hugely popular the only reason that it was canceled reportedly was that the production costs got just just got too high i mean people the, the people expected more every season and they wanted to give it to them but there came a point where it's just man there's now there's just diminishing returns if we if we scale back we'll lose the viewers and this thing will have a slow death or we can just end it now. I think they even had a movie to end it. They did have a yeah, movie. They had a movie where a whole bunch of bad guys got, 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 got together as an ensemble cast against them. Yeah, and I can I can um, support a couple of things you said because for years it wasn't available on home video and home video aficionados and Batman fans were, were, were upset about that and the reason was that the licensing was insane because all of these big actors, like people that I don't yeah, know, Burgess know Meredith, yeah, um, yeah, like that's just, just off the top of my head. The, you know, the, the the Penguin was my favorite, so you yeah, know, just, was, just um, they, Joker, they, they became Romeo huge. Something. Yeah, yeah, they, they all became huge, and so you know, Eartha Kitt. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. So yeah, so the the licensing be- became such high property that no one could buy it. 
yeah, and all these big name actors came on to do the villains, and like you said, it just got it was so expensive to produce this thing. But it did live in repeats, and part of that was because even though it only had three seasons, they made a lot of episodes per season. Yeah, this was back like, in the I day. Have, I mean, even when we were like kids, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when we were kids, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, it would have 26, 26, 27 episodes a season. Now, you'd be lucky to get 20, 22 out of a season. Yeah. I mean, this is getting shorter yeah. and shorter. And now, uh, since, since, since uh, British TV is becoming so popular over here, it's becoming more like that, you know, like 13 tops some some, eight? some seasons. Yeah, crazy. Ten? Yeah. Yeah, it is not. So, but so even though there's only three seasons of his Batman, there's a lot of episodes. Yes, yes there is. And uh, he will be missed, and uh, we wish his family well. He, uh, he apparently has uh, two great-grandchildren. Aw. So, yeah, so they're, they're going to miss their great-grandfather, and, we're, and we're, we're sorry for them. And they can actually watch their great-grandfather's batman and yeah. like you know the recent batman's children and grandchildren are gonna have to wait until they're older i know i know in the in the in the uh in the in the papers they're talking about how uh now is the time of the dark night but back in 66 was the time of the bright night where you know it, oh, was, yeah. it was family friendly where it was always upbeat you know and you, for you only thought batman was gonna lose for a second and then he turned it around and it would, he would bring hope you know to and, and and all that and uh I, I decided to watch a couple episodes today just uh just check it out and man uh it is dated to be sure but <laughs> but but damn if it isn't fun it's just fun to watch well yeah i mean i i grew up reading comics and and i was pretty young like i don't know i was like 10 12 or something when the burton batman came out but still like i watched the adam west batman yeah. even though i mean i don't know campy whatever it was fun it was cool even even though i was already reading comics and reading like the dark knight returns like it was still fun to watch the adam west batman yes it was like i said he will be missed now we're going to move on to uh the actual rng segment and today top of the list is wonder woman we both seen wonder woman wonder woman that's right not that wonder woman the, the movie version. <laughs> yeah, I don't know campy. what the song is for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's all we got. But uh, I will easily say that out of the out of the DC comic movies come out since mm, Dark Knight. I would say yeah. The that best it is Dark the best. Knight. Now that that bar is not high no, <laughs> that bar is low. I mean, uh, so so far after after the Dark Knight. Um, it's, it's been, a, it's been a downhill run for, uh, for, for DC in the movies, uh, which, which, which is in stark contrast to their comics, which are on the rise. But, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman, um, incorporates more, I don't know, more humor, sometimes a little heroism. Yeah. And actual, actual heroism and, uh, like actual superheroes, right. Morality, like, like hardcore line morality. Like, no, I will not cross this line, Rally. I will not walk away with all these people in danger. I, I don't care. Watch children I don't children die. Exactly. I don't I don't do that. So you're gonna have to get with the program or get out of the way. That that's how they portrayed Wonder Woman here, and that was freaking awesome. Yeah. And okay, so I want to tie it to All Star Batman. I mentioned before because they both made the same theme, and I just read the read All Star Batman. I'm okay. like six Shoot. issues behind. 
But what they did in Wonder Woman, they didn't make her an idiot. They didn't make her naive. They didn't make it a stupid world where nothing bad ever happens. And they didn't make it a world where one person, even though they're a superhero, can magically fix stuff and people are somehow angels. No, they made the point in, in, in Wonder Woman, Diana, like she even says something like this, that it's not what you find in the world. It's what you want to make the world. So in the beginning, she's kind of naive. It's got, she's got. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say naive, just in a, in a brand new situation. And she has to Fair get, enough. She, yeah, she, she has to get her footing for a little bit. Yeah, well, like she thinks that if she does one thing, she will, people will stop uh, having war. Yeah. Kill the God of war. And then there'll be no more war to her. That's like cut right. and dry. Yeah. Right. Uh, but even after she gets disillusioned and she learns that not all humans are angels. No, 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 no. She actually, no she actually has a quote: uh, "All humans have a darkness in them. All right. people." Yeah, and she, and, but, but she says like, "I'm going to fight for the good in them. From the fight for the world, I want to see, not that I'm going to be naive or I'm going to be foolish. Like, listen, I know not everybody's an angel, but I'm." want the good so i'm going to fight for the good right i think that's an important difference so it's not like they i don't know maybe i'm not explaining it well no 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 you're you're, you're doing very well you're doing well now, uh, uh in the for the last batman and the last superman um i really didn't get a hero feel out of all out of any of them especially at the at the end of superman um uh, the, i'm sorry man of steel where he he, he kills odd just snaps his neck. I'm yeah, like, great. You like just turned Superman into a killer. Spotting. Good, good job, buddy. Good, good job. Yeah, it's like Thumbs high to you, idiot. They're sinking down to their environment. Yeah, so the like, only oh thing God, worse. Exactly. Now I'm the, not going to bother being a hero. Yeah, exactly. The only thing worse than that was in Superman Returns, turning him into a deadbeat dad and turning his son into a murderer. And a stalker. Yeah. Remember? And, <laughs> and, and, and he's, stalker. he's a stalker with X-ray vision. And, and I'm a super oh wait, 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 wait was yeah. was he actually outside his kid's room or inside over his bed like a super creeper? I forget. I think it was kind of both. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it, it it really really pissed me off because it was stated emphatically by 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 the idiot director. I'm I'm not going to say his name. I spit. <laughs> but it said this this the beginning of the movie starts two weeks after Superman two. And at the end of Superman 2, he apologizes to the president of the United States saying, I'm sorry I was gone. It'll never happen again. He gets a fake, he gets a fake answer phone from Krypton and runs away. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Bad writing, buddy. Out of the gate, you fell. Yeah, the less said about that, the better, really. Oh, God. And then uh, Batman v Superman. The, the, you really can't say much less about that one. That was, for, for, for some reason... DC still with with Wonder Woman they still have the same problem. They they go to post production and you go and you, you know what? Twenty percent darker. Make the whole thing twenty percent darker. Why are you doing that? Yeah, they, they, that was yeah. Why now, are you in doing that? To Wonder Woman, it was set during World War One. Yeah, and so uh, it was like, a at bold least it choice. Was kind of darker. Yeah, yeah, I I get it, but you know, 
in the modern day stuff, you can have stuff, especially Superman's outfit is supposed to be bright. It's supposed to be... And inspire confidence. Exactly. It's supposed to inspire you, not like cause... Jesus, is he another emo Superman like the one in Returns? Come on, man. Hey, are we spoiler free or can we spoil stuff? No, no, we, we, we can't spoil Wonder Woman, but... But uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman have been out for so long that anyone who hasn't seen it and is listening okay. to this it deserves what they get. Okay. So, yeah, I would – yeah, those – like, I'm pretty open-minded. I kind of have a low threshold for what I'll see in a superhero movie because we're about the same age. And for decades, literally decades, we had the Superman movies from when we were a little kid, and we had – Batman. That was it for superhero movies, unless you're going to count the red skull with the nose, and that was a bootleg you had to track down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the the, the Captain America um, uh, Um, garage production. Yeah, what's his name? The (laughs) famous low-budget guy. I Ah. I, I Troma. No, not no, Troma. No, 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 no. I, I forget that particular guy, but I know what you're talking about. And I, I haven't yeah. seen the whole movie, but I've seen clips of it. And it was like, wow, why'd you even bother? <laughs> yeah, or remember Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, where they wouldn't even put a skull on his chest? Yes, what is that about? Come on. Dolph Lundgren? Number one, Dolph yeah. Lundgren, they dyed his hair black. Okay, that's all That's all we need to do. I must Come break on. you. Exactly. And he was so much bigger than all of the Asians on the screen. It was laughable. It was like, yeah, why, why are these these guys even trying to fight this this Swedish murder machine. I mean, come That's on. That's right. But with that low of a bar, like, like, listen, Man of Steel's a way better movie than that Punisher, and that Punisher was all we had. And those other ones for for about twenty years until yeah, hey, you know what? Uh, X Men or whatever. Yeah, D- DC up, up until up until the Dark Knight. Uh, D- DC comic movies, best one in my opinion was Superman 2. The director's cut. The I... actual director's cut where, where it shows that he didn't kill any folk. He took their powers away, had them arrested. It showed that. Well, I, I my favorite is still the first Superman the movie. Okay, I, that, that, that's that's my number two. That's that's the one right after that. I mean, I'm sorry, that's, that's number three now because of the Dark Knight, but yeah. Oh my, what? Okay, wow. I've known... H dog for a long time. This is the first <laughs> I've heard that you, the Dark Knight over Superman the movie. Yes, I'm gonna have to say it's killing me not to say your name right now. I know, I know, I know. No, you you can if you want. It's in the beginning, but uh, Brett. I know, what? I know, I know. What? I I I like it. J- j- uh, it. It could be just my perception because it was such gutter trash for so long, and then suddenly it, it the bar raised so high that. You know, it seems like 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 a greater height, just because because it was such a, a grand difference in quality. But you put the Dark Knight ahead of Superman the movie too. Well, I, I, I like number two better than one though. But that's just me. Well, okay, okay, but yeah. but you also like the Dark Knight better than Superman the movie. I do, I do. Well, it's, I mean, it's not by when a lot. Did this man, happen? It's not by a lot. I mean, the, the the first, second, and third place are like minuscule degrees in my mind. Minuscule degrees. Did this happen the first time you saw it, and you yes. just never told me? Yes, it happened the first time I saw it. I loved it, and uh, um, I didn't realize it until I fully internalized what I was feeling, and that yes, in the, in the for the past thirty years or so, the Dark Knight has been the best DC movie by a minuscule amount to Superman's two and one. 
Superman three and four, you can you you, you, you may as well like uh, burn them in DVD so you can use it as a coaster. As far as I'm concerned, those are awful. They're pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are just awful. I mean, they're let's be clear, they're better than the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, but they're they're really bad movies. Yes, uh, I would say Superman three is better than Superman Returns. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna state that for the record. Oh yeah, come on, listen. Yeah, it's easily better. I mean, yes. as bad as it is, there's a few cool things in it. Yes, there's a few cool things. It's got Richard Pryor for crying out loud. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was more of a comedy PG movie. Than, than I was <laughs> expecting, but still, Superman Returns was a, a lightly polished turd, as far as I'm concerned. Superman three also gave the world the Office Space plot. The, the computer yes, virus? Yes, yes, it did. Yes, it did. The whole uh, t- uh, take the fractions of a cent plot. Yep, they were the exactly, first Exactly, exactly. It. Yep. it makes you rich. Yep. Um, they had, oh, what's her name? Not Lois, but his other love, Lana. It Lana, had Lana, Lana Lang, Lang in it. it. had Lana Lang in it, yep. And the, the, the cool Superman thing is, yeah, uh, himself. Annette O'Toole has played yeah. Lana okay. Lang, Martha Kent... And something else. She's in Supergirl, right? Isn't she somebody in Supergirl? No, no, no. That's uh, that that's the the original woman who played a uh, Supergirl in the movie. Oh, yep. That's you're right. You're right. Yep. She's she's playing uh, she's playing Supergirl's adoptive mom. But so, it was somebody else recently, I think. Dean Cain, who played who played Superman in the TV series in the '90s. Is playing uh, Superman's uh, Supergirl's adopted father in the, That's in right. the Supergirl yeah, in, TV in series. Yes, Lois is uh, Monel the Dexamite, Monel's mom yes. in this yes. series. She had, crazy. Uh, Terry Hatcher with who, Hercules. Who, yes, with <laughs> with Kevin Sorbo. Man, that was awesome. And he and then he then he. I'm not gonna say, but he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't I, on I'm, long. I'm behind. Yeah, he, he was. He wasn't on long enough for for me. But uh, yeah, they uh, the the old TV show they. They just they dove into that well, and uh, uh, Margot Kidder played uh, played a role in uh, Smallville the last couple of seasons. As uh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, the last couple of seasons, Smallville. She was uh, Christopher Reeve's character's uh, assistant, who was also in love with him. Oh wow! Yes, Christopher Reeve was on uh, two or three episodes, I think. Oh my Pro- gosh! Probably two. Obviously, he couldn't do more because he was in the wheelchair and he can't get off a whole bunch of lines in, in between machine breaths at the time. So yeah, but they but they, they they got him on for one episode at least for for a substantial amount of time. Huh. And uh, well, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. I wanna. Okay, what a woman movie though. It was really good. Just to clarify, like yes. it it wasn't just. It wasn't just good for a DC the, movie. It was uh, a good it, movie. Exactly, exactly. Like, it was a real superhero movie. It had great action. I mean, I think it, it, it it's not a perfect movie. It's got problems. It's no. It's not as good as The Dark Knight or Superman the movie. But it's, yeah, easily the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. If you haven't seen and it, go do that. Hero. But um, I mentioned the all-star Batman. And I just wanted to say, because that's one of the few recent books I've read, that is... Um, Al mentioned the last run of Batman and all-star Batman is by the same writer, this guy, Scott Snyder. And what he did 
is that he took a kind of different approach in the one he did with greg capullo it was very dark and gritty uh really good but dark and gritty and in this one it's more colorful and more focusing on like the high tech and the gadgets and fighting some of the crazy uh batman villains like you know um uh the killer moth and uh, the big crocodile guy's name i forget killer croc but um anyhow it was uh this very fast-paced adventure where he has to batman is taking two-face outside of gotham to get him somewhere where there might be a cure for two-face and two-face releases somehow was able to uh release a message to the world that if anybody could free him and stop batman he would give them like the combined fortunes of the penguin the black mask and this other mob boss in gotham and the idea is that when Batman's outside of Gotham, he's not as powerful, or at least that's what everybody thinks. Well, no, or just not as feared. Right. That people think, oh, you know, oh, you don't have all your gadgets and whatever. I mean, listen, it's Batman. He wins. I'm not spoiling anything by saying. No, that. no, so you're not. not, you're like... not. <laughs> if you're not on Batman's side, you didn't win. That's pretty much how it works out. Exactly. It's not like KG Beast kills Batman. Like that's not what happens in this book. But, uh, but yeah, KG Beast is there, to give you an example of the kind of villains that are in this thing. But they all come and they all take their shots at Batman to try and stop him. So on the one hand, it's this really straightforward, like, two-fisted adventure of Batman. But it does a good job with some of the introspective stuff. But it's not like him standing around in the rain having an inner monologue. What it does is it'll, with judicious use of flashbacks to him and Harvey Dent... Apparently they were kids and they were at this one um, kind of summer camp for troubled children together. The idea is that the year after Batman's parents died, he was consumed with vengeance and rage and he wanted to kill Joe Chill. And Alfred thought that that was unhealthy. So he sent him to this camp and that Harvey Dent's dad was a schmuck who beat him. And so Harvey's mom or somebody sent him to this camp and they, they knew each other then. Okay, so he has a he has a he has a personal reason to to try and cure Two Face, even though he doesn't want to be cured, you know, because exactly. he's sick. I mean, he can't make a conscious decision because he's literally sick. Now, I don't want to spoil it. Don't 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 tell us if if he cures Two Face. I won't tell you if okay. he cures Two Face. I also won't tell you whether or not he stays married to Catwoman forever. <laughs> okay. But uh, with that, I think we're gonna start to wrap it up. Uh, do you have anything that uh, you'd like to say? Uh, if anybody didn't listen to your episode on the Attack on Titan episodes, they're on TV again. So if you're like me and maybe you don't watch a ton of anime and you're not up on all the news, it's out there. So it's cool. Go watch it. It's on Hulu. It's streaming. Yes, it is. And thank you very much. And thank you to everyone viewing. Uh, if you have any comments, constructive comments and suggestions, please take, leave, I'll leave them all on all of our various social media. We will get back to you. We are on. We are all over the internet. We're on Reddit, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and you can, of course, if you're watching it right now, or if you're not, we're here on Twitch at uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can get this podcast on iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the LOM cast at the Legion of Myth podcast site. And of course, you can support Legion of Myth with uh, gear. You can buy shirts and uh, cubs, uh, cups and... Uh, and uh, uh, mouse pads at shop.spreadshirt.com slash legion myth or directly 
at patreon.com slash legion of myth. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, Hicks206, Algarian, Alan51, Baldahar, and me, because I believe in this stuff. I'm going to give money to it. And thank you, guys. Thank and you. maybe gals. And gals, too. That's right. Thank you very much for coming in, and we hope you come back next week, and we hope you look back into our old episodes. They are good. H-Dog, thank yep. you for having me again. I appreciate it. You are welcome. Happy to have you anytime. And to all of you out there, all you Legionnaires listening right now, thank you very much. You have a good day.